everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent on League podcast. Before we get going, I think we should dedicate this week's show to all of the supporters across the county, Dover, Folkestone, Sheppey, and I'm sure there are others who did their bit shoveling snow off pitches to help get matches on. It's a brilliant effort and well done to all of you. Um, my name's John Phipps and as always I'm joined by Matt Gerrard, a man who about two minutes ago sent me a message on Twitter saying he was mad for it ahead of today's show. So uh, how are you Matt and, and why are you so mad for it today? All right, our kid. Uh, no, I just sort of think, I was talking in the weekend, we wouldn't be able to talk too much about uh, the weekend because all the game, not many games are on, but there's a few games, and a few games off yesterday as well, but uh, it's good to be talking about it as well. I need to apologise as well. Last week, I was sort of hoping we were listening that somebody would fall over in the snow, wouldn't we? Yes. When you were recording the pod, and my mother-in-law did fall over in the snow, she broke her arm on Friday, so maybe that was the devil getting me back, so I do apologise for my mother-in-law who's sent at home. Not doing too much because he's broken her arm in the snow. So but, you're not laughing yeah, now, then? Is that... back. No, I'm not laughing now. I'm like, I've got a bit. I felt a bit guilty, really, isn't I? So um, hopefully she's going to be okay. So it, it, maybe it works as a good thing because he's, he's got he's got a dog, and I she can't actually take the dog out now. I'm taking well, helping taking the dog out, so it's a good little bit of exercise. So um, maybe definitely thinks God getting me back for hoping that somebody would fall over, but then somebody close to me did. So there you go. Well, that will learn you, Mr. Gerard. That will learn yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's our thirty-second episode this week, and it's always been a bit of a lucky number for me for reasons far too long-winded and sad to go into. Um, but I will say that thirty-two is the number of runs I scored on the only time in my cricketing career that I've actually opened the batting. My team Hannon Force were all out for fifty-five that day, but uh, then again, if I was opening the batting for them, it's not really a shock that that was all they could muster. Oh, good fifty percent of the runs there. Though. Many boundaries in that. Oh, yeah, I think almost all. Because the thing was, if I remember rightly, it was the first game of the season and we were playing on an artificial pitch in a, in a school playing field and the grass was really long. So the only way you could really score runs was if you whacked it in the air. And I'm quite good at that. And um, the team was quite a young team. And a lot of them, it was their first sort of game of men's cricket. I remember one young lad saying to me, I just want to score a run. And they kept like driving the ball, playing all these correct shots, and they just stopped in the grass completely. Whereas if you went a bit aerial, you got away with it. So that was where most of my runs came that day is that a career best day too or? no no i've got i've got one half century to my name a, a battling 66 um a few years ago but uh yeah it was it's what it's up there my 32 to be honest but there you go uh, i i did well go and look for that cricket now but i there was golden summer of about 2003 when i basically for about four weeks on the spin i was just Graham Gooch, if older, older listeners might know Graham Gooch. Was, so I was, I think, about 49 and 75 in consecutive knocks. After that, it's the old proverbial, I was seeing it like a football, but after that, it all went wrong. But 75 and a 20 over was my highest ever score. And I don't know if I'm going to play cricket, it will never be beaten. So there you go. Excellent. I should also say that 32 is obviously a lucky number for my other half, Hayley, who was 32 when we met eight years ago this week. So clearly, that was that's a lucky number for her. But anyway... Enough of all that nonsense. We are actually here to talk about non-league football and we're three minutes, 20 seconds in and we haven't really mentioned it at all. Um, there was certainly a time, I'd, I'd say it was on Friday night, where I was thinking like you, Matt, we might not have any football to talk about at all this week, but we do. And we've even got four interviews for you to listen to during the show as well. But there's only one place we can start and that is a hugely frustrating night for Bromley and their travelling supporters. Last Tuesday, the team had only made it to North London when their FA Trophy replay at Spennymoor was called off. This time, they'd made it all the way. I have to be honest, the first I knew of it being called off was when I got out of my car at Sittingbourne at about 7.40pm last night to a direct message from Matt. What what do you make of all this, Matt? What what a blow that is for Bromley. Uh, if you follow non-league football, it's just one of those things. 
maybe Spennymore could have looked into it. I know they did an inspection early in the morning. They did an inspection at two. I don't know what the weather was like in, in the northeast. It's not too far from Gateshead, and Gateshead's game was on. Um, Bromley have just got to get on with it. As you mentioned before, they've done the mileage in this competition this year, and Gateshead beat Norwich. They're going to have to do it again. Hopefully, they can use that as a sort of, um, you know, right, you know, motivation to sort of go with it, and hopefully they can go up next week. I know if, if it's off next Tuesday, they'll have to stay. You're going to do it on the Wednesday because, of course, the trophy semi-finals are coming up a week. A week, a week Saturday as well. So um, it's just frustrating. I'm sure Neil Smith will be frustrated at the time. He had a, probably had a good laugh about it, but maybe he'll make their resolve a little bit stronger to get to the semi-finals. I think that's that's where I was going to head. Actually, I think the pendulum's almost back in their favour now. That that sense of injustice and frustration they'll have, and when they make that trip again next Tuesday, I think they'll be even more determined than, than they already pr- were, which was probably quite significantly determined, but I'd imagine they're going to be even more determined now after that. And, you know, I, there was a lot of irate Bromley fans on social media and, and a bit of to-in and fro-in between some Spennymore fans as well. But there, it's been talked about before, but there's got to be some sort of logical thinking about this. If there is that much doubt over the game on a Tuesday morning, shouldn't they be saying to people from Bromley, perhaps you don't need to, you know, perhaps you should make the sensible decision here. The forecast isn't good. We've had to have the pitch inspected a couple of times. If it gets worse, it's going to be off. Shouldn't they have looked at it and said 11 o'clock rather than 7 o'clock? No, this isn't going to be playable tonight. And I know it's not the club. I know it's down to the referee. But there's local referees up there. I just think it could have been handled better and saved Bromley fans and players a lot of travelling. I think because the competition is now quite tight and of course they want to make sure the semi-finals on the Saturday they're probably forced to say right we want to do this we want to do this they have got another week they need to do it from there again they probably could have said we could do it tonight if they wanted from that point of view with Bromley already up there Bromley were keen to do that um, yeah, I think it works in their favour I think it even works in their favour that Lake Norton have gone out as well from Bromley I think I know Bromley beat Lake Norton 6 I think earlier in the season I've beat them twice, in fact. But I think their record against Gates is pretty good as well. So I think uh, it's a good chance if they can use that anger. I think they've got a chance against Gateshead as well. So, yeah, why not? But I see the other semi-final will be a, a conference south side in the final as well. Or conference lower south, because Brackley in the north, I think, aren't they? So um, there's no reason why. I've got a good thinking that whoever wins, if Bromley can get through to the semi-final, the winners of Bromley Gateshead probably could go and lift the trophy. Well, I think that, you know, when, once you get to this stage, the, the day at Wembley is what you want the most, but then getting the trophy, you know, that that would be a, a sort of bonus, the cherry on top. But, you know, you've got to be thinking Bromley, they, I'd imagine if they, well, even now they're probably favourites for the competition. I, I, I haven't looked, but, you know, if they can overcome Spennymore, two look guitar against Gateshead, they'll fancy themselves in that one with the season that they've had so far. The only thing is, you know, are they going to be frustrated because they haven't played football for quite a while? You know, yeah. And the other thing you look at about it, you've got to think about their league. They've they're really a few games behind everybody else. Of course, they can't. They can play Saturday. They can't play midweek. Then you've got back to back Saturdays of the trophy semi-final. So um, they're going to be fixture congestion is going to affect them as well. Talking about the trophy, I expect the FA are probably you know very upset this morning when you think Lake Norian get good gates, Stockport get good gates, both knocked out last night. I'm sure the FA were dreaming of a Lake Norian Stockport final because it would be no disrespect, considerably more than maybe Gateshead against uh, Brackley in the final. Well, indeed. And, and that wasn't the only late call-off on Tuesday night, as Maidstone's game with Macclesfield also went, albeit for totally different reasons. The crash on the M25 meant that many of Maidstone's squad didn't make it to the Gallagher. Apparently, at quarter to eight, they had five available players. Um, 
unavoidable that one, Matt, but incredibly frustrating for Macclesfield. But, you know, if we were doing the Cheshire uh, non-league podcast, I'd imagine we'd be having a similar conversation as we've just had there about, um, you know, feeling sorry for Macclesfield's players and fans. But, um, you know, they were originally going to try and play that game tonight as well, but that w- didn't work out. So the Silkman are going to have to travel down here again in a couple of weeks' time. Well, yeah, I think they'll be, um, they've got Dover on the Saturday before they play Maystown as well. So maybe they'll well, they do it well. The financial problems, so they might be able to stay down for the weekend, and that's why they decided to move it to um, a couple of weeks' time rather than playing it tonight. It's just one of those things, you know. If you do travel on the uh, M25 round the Dartford Tunnelway, you know any little bit of bang could be stuck there for hours. Clearly, it shows that maybe some of Maystone players are more based around um, Essex Way rather than they are um, south of the counties. But just one of those things, and I think Macclesfield. You know, reading an article today, Jay Shorter said that you know, the referee said we could start with seven players if he got them, but thankfully Macclesfield are quite a sensible club and they said, no, we're not doing that because it makes a farce of the competition. So it's just one of those things. It's probably frustrating for, for Maystone as well. They haven't played for a couple of weeks and they wanted to get back on the horse to try and get that wing. I think it probably makes their game against Torquay even, uh, even more important now again, game against the Gallagher. Maybe that will be the game that turns the side for them. That story does remind me of a time when um, Gillingham played Leighton Orient um, a few years ago, Matt. I don't know if you'll remember this one, um, but there was there was big traffic problems in East London that day. And um, at one point, I think Gillingham had seven players and they were told they would have to start the game. They had two goalkeepers there at that time. Um, in the end, I think they managed to get all of their team there and play, had to play in Leighton Orient's kit and lost. So, you know, at least Macclesfield did the sensible thing there and... You know, yeah, it's an inconvenience for them. It's a real pain. But you can't play against a team of seven players, can you? No, no. Some of the decisions the conference makes um, are, are, a bit, are a bit bizarre. At least they didn't force that as well, which I think is a, a good thing as well. From that point of view, if, if the league had forced that, it would have made some time the competition a little bit more fast as well. Indeed. Well, let's talk about some football that did happen then, shall we? On Tuesday night, I, I headed up the road to Woodstock Park to see Ramsgate visit Sittingbourne. The home side took the lead through David Smith before Rams striker Aaron Milbank blazed a penalty over the bar. Then in the second half, it was two as the ball was swung in from a corner and Jordan Carey looked to be a bit impeded, pushed it into his own net, although I think the goal was given to young Lex Allen. Game over? Nope. Tom Chapman got one straight back for the visitors and then as the clock ticked into the last 10 minutes, Liam Dixon levelled. It wasn't over there either. Milbank made amends for his earlier miss with the winner. His first goal in three months. To be honest, City Ball looked pretty ragged late on, and you're going to hear from their boss, Aslan Adev, later. But before that, here's two Rams. Firstly, boss Lloyd Blackman, and then former Brookies defender, George Crimmins. I thought it was arguably one of our better performances in the lot, well, for quite a considerable time, to be honest. Um, I don't think the half time scoreline reflected the, the performance. Um, created numerous chances, uh, f- football in the. Uh, attack in, in, in the final third was was very positive, um, and it was just unable to get the the finishing result. But you know you miss a penalty as well, and it's about doing the boys. I always felt that at half time we were going to get something out of it, um, and then to go two 0 down it does show a lot of character, and to, and to come out there three two with two 0 down that's that shows some uh, some bottle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I suppose it was really important that straight after going two 0 down you you were straight back in it, yep. and a really good goal from Tom Chapman. Yeah, really good goal. Um, I thought Chapel was outstanding. There were, to be fair, there was a number of a number of uh, very uh, very impressive performances. Um, 
Chapman we played in a slightly different role today. Um, he's pacing his energy and he's, he's looking to go behind at times as well and, and that just opened things up I thought I thought he was an outstanding performance and, and he capped that off with with, uh, with, uh, with a goal um, and to show that someone as fit as Tom Chapman is then getting off with, you know coming off with cramp 10 minutes to go it shows how much how much of a shift he put in so uh, very pleased I thought TJ was outstanding young TJ Dharma um, he was yeah for a kid that's sort of 19 I think he is now um, he played. Um, you know, he played again. It was far, far in advance of his age. He matured, the maturity of his performance was 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 very pleasing. I'm really good for Aaron Milbank. He obviously, yeah. he's been having a tough time in front of goal. Yeah. Spooned a penalty over yeah, the bar and then it. scores the winner. That's it. I mean, uh, I mean, if you look at it, you know, he's taking the penalty and he's and he's got that much confidence that he's he's trying to go, for, you know, top corner. And and considering the lad hasn't scored, you know, he hasn't scored since he's come back from his from his injury. Um, it just goes to show that he's, you know, he's a confident lad, um, and and he, and he did his performance and his work rate and his hold up play. Um, he had another couple of times. I think he hit the bar twice, um, and he and, and again to get the to get the win like he did. Uh, that was like, again that, that capped another impressive performance. And I suppose it's, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? You know, all you can do is just keep putting performances in. You're not going to go up. You're not going to go down. No, no. Just want these, these young lads to keep growing. Uh, absolutely, I think that. Um, and when you see the young kids like um, you, you know young Jacob, um, who's not playing any sort of ideal position, but he's learned. And he's and he's sending another string to his bow. Um, Penny made a slight mistake for the first goal, but then was made a massive contribution just before half time when we managed to get round and head one out from underneath the goal line. So when you look at those sort of things, you say, well, it does show that the young kids now are listening. They are they are willing to to realise that it's not always going to go their way. Um, and you know, looking over the bigger picture of the performance to come, you know, two 0 down, three two, that shows not just individually but collectively as well. Home again on Saturday, you'd like to get another win at home against Shipstead? Yeah, that's two games. I think that's the first time this season we've gone two back-to-back victories. So um, we'll prepare, prepare the same. We'll you know, prepare the same as we did when, when things weren't going well. And now we've got a couple of victories under our belt, we'll do exactly the same. We'll be in Thursday, work and prepare, prepare correctly for Chipstead. Uh, they're a decent side um, and, we'll, um, yeah, and, we'll, and we'll give it another good go. I think we've got 10 games left now. Um, we've set ourselves a target in the changing room, um, and uh, and we'll see and we'll see if we can come close to that. Back at your former club and three points, you've got to be pleased with that, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, boys have showed character. I think today we've um, come off the back of a win from Mosley, and I think it's the confidence has gone into this game. To be honest with you, um, but being two 0 down, it's. Always tough to get back in, but yeah, I think we showed character. To be fair, I just said to Lloyd then, you know, to to, to go two 0 down and then come straight back with that really good goal from Tom Chapman. That was massive, yeah. wasn't it? The title was turned then. Yeah, definitely. And to be fair, we've got a game plan that we stick to, and putting it in good areas and getting them them boys that can change the game, I, I think, is uh, is key for us. And and it just shows when we give them the ball, that's that's what they can do. And. Um, you know yourself coming back here. You know it's always nice to play against a former club, and and you, and you got three points. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I live local as well, so yeah, it's always nice to see the fans and that. But yeah, just get one over him when it's good. Yeah. And people tell me that Ramsgate never win it, so that's <laughs> a big monkey off your back. Ah, so. oh, yeah. Just what the the gaffer was saying. He said he's never won here, so hopefully onwards and upwards. Now we've got ten games left. We just just keep keep that winning form going. So. And the, the sort of Ramsgate project. I mean, you're not an old uh, an old man by any stretch of imagination, but you're one of the more experienced <laughs> players around yeah, here. Aren't yeah. You? One of one of uh, one of few because we've got a, young, a lot of youngsters. Um, <coughs> yeah, I'd say yeah, yeah, definitely an experience, but I would say old yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, having you know, you've obviously got a lot of games behind you, and I guess for you as someone who's played a lot of football, to be playing alongside these young lads. I mean, TJ in midfield today was absolutely superb. Yeah. You know, and you've got players like that. It must be exciting for you. Yeah, man of the match for me, TJ. I think um, 
yeah, and I, as I say, I, I love it playing with the boys, and they they, they look at me as a, as a senior player, um, and hopefully I can deliver each week. So yeah, my experience, hopefully I take out on each game. So it's been one of those seasons for Ramsgate, isn't it? It's, you know, you, you've never really sort of strung a, lo- a long sequence of results together. No. You know, and, and you just kind of need to keep <laughs> building. And it's almost a free hit this year. Only one relegation place, and then you can build, and maybe next season you'll be moving in the right direction up the table. Yeah, I think because the back end of last year we come in on a. 20 game run I think I think we lost one and we wanted to, to obviously take that into this season but it's just not happened like you say it's just been I think there's been a few we've not been playing bad it's just the rubber the green to be fair like in some of the games but yeah it's uh, it's been frustrating but we'll always be there or thereabouts So um Ramsgate then, Matt. I've said before, I've got a lot of time for that club and the people there. And Tuesday night actually reminded me exactly why. I had a good chat with some really good people at the club, most of which is very much not for podcast consumption. But that's a really good win for them, Ramsgate. They've had their struggles. Um, but to dig in and to come back from 2-0 down is, is fair play to them. Yeah, you can see the, I think the relief on um, Lloyd Blackman's voice as well. Uh, and he, and he, I mean, he's honest to say that maybe the performance hasn't been good of late. He's got his reward there, and it probably shows the character they've got in that squad. Sittingbourne have got a young side um, from that point of view, and maybe they're going to be learning over the next few weeks from that. But Ramsgate have got a few players. And you saw Ramsgate a couple of weeks ago against Craig. Do you think they played better against Sittingbourne than they did against Craig? Because I thought you said they were a bit unlucky against Craig. Yeah, I think they were unlucky against Craig. I, I don't think they necessarily played that that differently, really. I mean, they, they had a slightly different shape. Rather than having the sort of three across... Tom Chapman played in behind Millbank and then tried to get the, the other men. And what I will say is, um, he was mentioned there, but and the young man TJ in midfield was out of this world. He's 18 or 19 years old. And everyone was saying to me, he's a player, he's a player. And uh, so I was discussing a lot of things with a lot of people from Ramsgate last night. But what the, the main crux of what I was saying to people, and, and I'm sure they won't mind me discussing this, is, you know, Ramsgate are what they are. They know what they are. And what they are and what they want to be is a club where the local players from that area can come and thrive and play for Ramsgate. And looked out there, they're missing a lot of players that, you know, that I would expect to maybe have been in and around their team. But they had young lads in there, young local boys from Thanet representing that club. And do you know what? They all put in a really good shift. And that's what that's what you want to see from a club like Ramsgate. You know, I kind of went home last night and sitting on young side as well, similar sort of thing. You know, and I went home last night and I thought, you know what, that was that was really good. There was no, you know, ex pros swanning around taking taking paychecks in their thirties. It was all young lads out on that pitch on on Tuesday night, and I I was really impressed with Ramsgate. They they dug in, they got the result. You know, at, at the moment, do results matter that much for Ramsgate? Not in terms of their league position, but that experience they're going to gain from that win is going to be huge for them going forward. Yeah, I think. The Ramsgate, you know, the, the, the run they were on, and the, I think maybe nine, ten games they didn't get a result. It's very easy to maybe to pull pull the trigger on Roy Blackman, but clearly he's got the respect of the players from that point of view, and he's bringing the players. Again, and again, he's got a lot of contacts in the game. As you mentioned there, it could have been very easy for him to bring his contacts in, a few older heads to play in the sides from that. But he, he, he's persevering with the youth, and maybe not this season, maybe not next season, but maybe the season afterwards, you'll get the full benefits of these players when they've played 50, 60 games at that level, which is, you know, a, a decent level of football and there'll be some hard knocks on the way, but not probably days like last night when you come back 2-0 down with half an hour to go and win 3-2, you, you'll remember that and that can work in your favour over the years to come. 
Yeah, and, and great celebrations from the Rams. Actually, they were they were really pleased, and you know you could hear them sort of going back to the dressing rooms, and they were you know really pumped up, and and they were really pleased. And you know, say that there are young lads out there, and as you heard me say to George Crimmin, he by no means is is anywhere near being an old player, but he's got that experience. And and he said, you know, he's excited to see all these young lads coming through. And he's one of the few players from in the Ramsgate team who isn't from Thanet at the moment, but. You know he's he's happy to go down there and be part of that project, and you can see why he's excited by it from what I saw last night. Yeah, uh, the name rings a bell over the years, but it, again, it's very easy thing. You know, he lives not too far from that. He's gone to Ramsgate. I think Roy Blackman is a up and coming manager. He's seen what the players they've got there. The players like Millback, he's been down his houses. I've cleared his back on the score sheet, chapman like that, and he could be that older head, even though he's not too old himself. But yeah, I think the reports that I get living in. Fan it as well that there's some good players coming through at Ramsgate. The academy structure is good. I know they're looking for a new football community officer to make it even bigger. So, you know, not the biggest club in the world, but they're doing the right thing off the field for the community. Exactly. The home side then, Sittingbourne, um, they looked like they were going on course for their first win since January the 13th. But instead, they ended up with a fifth straight defeat. After the game, I ventured into the bar and caught up with Azunadev, and he was obviously a frustrated man. 2 0 up. Lost 3 2. Uh, how does that make you feel? Um, it's gut wrenching, uh, but there were improvements. Um, I think that we're building on the foundation that we're trying to build um, throughout the remainder of this season. The season. Um, yeah, I mean, it hurts. It hurts. I know it hurts the players a lot. Um, they they give everything they could. Um, the first six first 60 minutes of the game, I thought I thought we were the better team by by a little way, and I thought that we were playing in the way that I wanted them to get going and. Um, you know, we showed signs of of definite improvement, um, but then it just sort of went a little bit pear shaped, and a little bit of um, game management was was lacking. And you know, but that comes with experience. You've got quite a young team and quite a young squad, and they'll learn from that. And I know I will, and we'll you know we'll, we'll, be, we'll be ready for Saturday. I've just said to Lloyd that you know getting that goal back for Ramsgate straight after the second yeah. goal made such a difference, didn't it? Yeah, it definitely changed the momentum because um, they would have gone from a mentality of we're two 0 down away from home, we've got we'll struggle real hard to get something out of this game to momentum for to a mentality where they're two one and they're ready to go again, um, and then our, our mindset changes and things like that. So you're always most vulnerable once you've scored the goal, um, and we just had to show a little bit of game management, a little bit of experience, just to sort of see the next five, ten minutes out. Generally, so far, I suppose it's been quite frustrating for you. You, you. you got the job and then had a long wait for your first game, didn't you? Yeah, the weather hasn't hasn't helped me. Um, it's been a little bit out of my control. Um, I have just sort of wanting to get the wanting to get the ball rolling. Um, but, you know, the circumstances are the circumstances. I can't change the weather. I can't... I, I, would, I would have got a shovel and took the snow off the pitch if I could have myself. But... Um, yeah, that wasn't the case. Uh, but it's, it's okay. It's okay. We're getting there. We're getting there. the training's been good when we have um, the matches that we have played. We're improving game after game. Um, just got to keep going. I suppose there's sort of no pressure on you really at the moment. But you would like to get that first win, wouldn't you? I would like to get the first win, but I know, I know it's on its way. I know it's on its way. I'm not under uh, major pressure. I know the players that I've got. I have complete faith in them, um, and I, th I think that everyone's buying into it. Um, so you know, it's, it's something that will come in time. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I'm positive it will come soon. It's a very young squad you've got, but you've got a few senior players, and you've got to count on them to sort of step up, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, same as same as the young players. I mean, they're all they're all part of the same team. They're all part of the same sort of unit, and they're all a cog in the machine. So you know, you, you rely on some for, for for certain areas of the um, of football, and some for you know others. But they all have to put in a shift.
and young Lex. I mean, I know there was a lot of talk about him at the start of the season, but he, he seems to have sort of gone away from the, from the limelight a little bit. But he, he played well tonight, I thought. He did. He did well. Um, he's really growing as a player. The, the biggest thing that I've sort of been telling him since I've sort of taken over, and even when I brought him over to here, um, was just try and be the best player in your position in the team, and then take it next step further. Can you be the best centre back in the league? Then can you be the best centre back you know for your age and things like that? So I don't want him to to jump before he can before he can walk or anything like that. Um, I want him to sort of take it as slow as he can because I know he's got the the ability and the potential to to do what he wants, but he just needs to work hard and sort of take it a game at a time and get back to the to playing to the way he was when he first stepped in. Off to Guernsey on Saturday, looking forward to that one? Yeah, of course, of course, yeah, the, the fans are definitely looking forward to it. Um, it'll, be, it'll be a new experience for me, a new experience for some of the players. Um, hopefully we get to Gatwick on time, I'm sure we will, but uh, yeah, it'll be good, it'll be good. It'll be, I, I think I'm confident uh, for the game after what I've seen today, um, you know, even, even with the, uh, the slight capitulation, but um, yeah, we, we're building a foundation and Saturday will be something to build upon. How does flying to a game change your preparations? Um, I think I think a few of the players need to sing songs, so um, maybe that'll be done on the plane. I'm not sure, um, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. It's something new. And then you're back here on Tuesday night next week, and, and another chance to, to you know keep, put put a performance here in front of the home fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know. You know, when, uh, when we have home games, it's our fortress, and we want to try and build that and sort of make it um, you know somewhere where teams don't want to come to. Um, and that's something that's something that we, we 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 had at the beginning of the season, and we just need to sort of revert back to that and and get playing in, in a way where you know teams fear us. But each each game at a time, and you know any game where it's home or away, we'll take it as serious as as the one before. And uh, young team, young manager as well. I mean, how excited are you at this opportunity you've got here at Sittingbourne? It's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity. Um, I've worked hard to get it. Um, I think the board have shown a great support in myself and you know the, the coaching staff that I've brought in and even the players for them to stay on and things like that. Um, the biggest thing for me was when I did sort of put my name in the hat was was the backing of the players and I wouldn't have maybe maybe wouldn't have done it or maybe a little bit doubtful um, without that. And they they sort of told me that if you know if I went for it then they'll be there ready to sort of do it with me um, and that, that was the biggest thing and the, the fans sort of I said kind words before um, and it's, it's, been, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind but I'm enjoying every second of it I'm enjoying every second of it you don't get many managers in the mid-twenties do you? not really no not even, not even at Sunday League I don't think but um, yeah it's good it's good it's what I want to do it's what I want to do as my career um, I was you know I, my, my GCSEs were tailored to trying to be a manager so I've been thinking about it for a little while it's not something that I've sort of fed up on um, and I'll just carry on working hard until it works out well, he's very determined to make a success of a career in football management, isn't he, Matt? Yeah, I, I, I did like the bit where you mentioned there, you know, his GCSEs were related to football management. I must have missed that one of the options when I chose it many moons ago because I was quite good at football manager in 1982, whatever it was, it was launched from there. No, but he, there's a lot of people who uh, want to be involved in football in some way or another and he's got his chance now at... Um, City boy, how old, how old is he? Is he? 26. 26, so I'm old enough to be his dad. So that's, I'm really, when football managers, I'm old enough to be their father. That really is, uh, uh, I'm getting a bit too old from that. Well, again, it, it, they, uh, how many young players do you think they had on the side? Have they lost a lot of their experience heads? Sitting one over the years, have had always a core old experience head who've been in the club for a number of years. Is that sort of drifted apart now? I'd say so. I mean, that was a young old side they had out last night. And, and, you know, again, it's quite good to see. There was a few players, I think even since I was seeing them earlier in the season, there's been, you know, quite a changeover of players. I know they've got a lot of injury problems as well, which doesn't really help them. You know, but in terms of experience, you were looking around there and 
Tom Loins, he's, he's not old. He's one of the older heads. Chris Webber, the, the captain at right back, he's obviously an old head. Their goalkeeper's a teenager. Obviously, Lex Allen's a teenager as well. And it's a similar sort of thing to Ramsgate. You know, if they're going to go along this way with the project and Morris Dunk, who obviously we spoke to a few weeks ago, and I met Morris last night and had a, a bit of a chat with him. You know, that's where they want to go. They know their level and they want to be a bit like Ramsgate, bringing through the young players. And, you know, was it the best game of football I've ever seen last night? No, it wasn't. Was there tons and tons of skill on show? No, there wasn't. But you saw young lads from Ramsgate against young lads from Sittingbourne in a men's league. And, and that has got to be applauded from both sides. Well, it's, it's the way to go for teams at this level of football. You mentioned Lex Allen there. Earlier in the season, there was a lot of clubs sort of sniffing around him from the higher end of the pyramid. He wasn't involved in the early part of the season. What was your feeling about him? Did he, he's quite a tall lad, um, isn't he? Uh, lanky lad. What's your feeling about him thinking he can go higher? Well, I, th- I think he can, yeah. I think it's all about management. I remember when we spoke to Nick Davis about him many months ago, it was a case of, you know, we don't know exactly what we're going to do with him, how we're going to make him into, you know, what's going to be best for him going forward. But as you, as you heard me say to Aslan, they, you know, they they want to manage him properly. Um, I thought we had a, a tidy game on, on Tuesday night. It was It was one of those, really, because once Ramsgate got one goal back, the whole game changed. The momentum of the game just shifted. And towards the you end... You sense that straight away, did you? You knew it, well, here we go. Pretty we much. at the right time. Pretty much, yeah. It, it was, and sitting on towards the end were, you know, at the back, especially, you could tell they were a young side because they looked a bit, a little bit ragged, but there still was a chance. I remember chatting to the Ramsgate chairman, Phil Fennell, and I said to him about 15 minutes to go, I said, are you going to get a point here? And, and he was like, I don't know. You know, you'd like to think so. And then about 10 minutes later, I said to him, do you think you're going to get a point now? And he was like, well, yeah, I'd imagine so, as they were 3-2 up. But, you know, it was one of those. And towards the end, you could see Sittingbourne had taken that really badly. You know, they are they are a young team. They've suffered five defeats in a row now. You know, and the momentum of the club, if you think where they were back in October, September time, they were top of the league. Mm. And now they're struggling down towards the foot of the table. It's not a relegation battle for them. But, you know, it is one of those things. And... As Dan, they did say when he took over, if he lost every game, you know, they'd have to think about where things are going to go. He needs to get a result. And obviously they're at Guernsey on Saturday and you've obviously heard him talking about that there. Tough place to go and all that. And then they've got Walton Casuals at home. So is that there may be a feeling that that was a game last night that they could have won. So I think that'll be a bitter pill for them to swallow going forward. Yeah, I think we talked to me first in the pod in around about September, October time. Oh, what a team of the season. Can they get promoted? But it's... It has gone a little bit wrong for them from that point of view. Nick Davis left. Um, maybe they were overachieving in the start, first start of the season. And the season's always going to look back. And you look back on it, a good start of the season. The manager left. Maybe it, it tails off a little bit from that. So they are a, a well-run club. If they're going to bring the new team players, that's the way to go for them. Um, Morris um, seems a sensible chairman as well. But, you know, maybe they look back at it, what could have been... Uh, for, for sitting board because at one stage of the season they weren't conceding goals were they and they were winning matches so that seems to have gone maybe the, the, the few players have gone and, and the confidence has gone down a little bit maybe we've talked about youth here maybe they needed that experience head as well to help those youngsters coming through you know, and I'm no disrespect to a 26 year old manager you know he might have seen a lot more I've seen in the world of football but probably you know it's, it's, a, it's a difficult task for him from that you don't get many managers that age I hope it works out for him and if they've given him this chance, hopefully they can um, give him the chance for next season as well. Yeah, fingers crossed. There was one other game on in the Bostick South 
all week concerning us. That was East Grinstead on Tuesday night, where Herne Bay won a thriller by 5-3. to three. Um, This weekend, as you've already heard, it's Ramsgate against Chipstead and Citymore go to Guernsey. Ashford host leaders Lewis, Thamesby travel to Corinthian Casual, uh, Faversham go to Greenwich Borough, Hyde Town take on Cray, uh, that was a, a feisty game when I saw that earlier in the season. It's Phoenix against Herne Bay and South Park against VCD. Sittingbourne host Walton Casuals on Tuesday, Herne Bay travel to Molesy as well. And there's three matches on Wednesday night as well. Cray against Whiteleaf, Lewis against Ramsgate and Thamesmead against East Grinstead. Weather permitted. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently it's going to rain again next week quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, very much weather permitting. In the Boston Premier League, Margate again missed the chance to go top of the table on Tuesday night. But after ending their game at Leaston on Tuesday night with nine men, they'll be pleased with a point from a 2-2 draw. Um, but to have both Sam Blackman and Jordan Chidozzi sent off is certainly something Steve Watts going to have to deal with in the coming weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I think they're both yellow, so it may be only a one-match ban for them. Uh, I think it kicks in after a week, isn't it, at this level. So, um it's not the next game, is it, from that? So it seems a feisty affair. I think Steve, what, Steve Brown was particularly impressed with it. But coming back from that, Leicester uh, are a decent size at the level. They'd probably take that a decent side at home as well, too. They could have gone top because probably his favourites, Billy Ricky, are, are on the roll, are on the slide a little bit. Maybe your rant last week could well come true as they've been knocked off the top. So, yeah, but I still think in there, there's still a few places, seven points inside the playoffs, Margate. So, um, I still think it's in their own hands from that point of view, and they're not losing matches, which is a good sign at this stage of the season. Yeah, I do think it was Chidozzi's second uh, red card of the season, oh, so he'll get an extra game be, on yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, well, you're right. so yeah. that's a bit of a pain for them. But, you know, ultimately, if you're 2-1 down away from home, and I think as they were down to 10 men when Jack Evans got the equaliser, you'll take that. Um, I think Chidozzi's second yellow card was apparently for laughing at an opponent, um, which wasn't the most bizarre uh, yellow card last night. It was obviously uh, the... Uh, Sanchez Watts of Hemel Hempstead was sent off for saying Watts to the ref when asked what his name was. Uh, that was thankfully rescinded. Um, <laughs> Gate are actually fourth in the table, though, after the Folkestone Invicted juggernaut keeps on rolling on. They were held by Harlow on Saturday after those fans helped get that game on. They saw off Kingstonian 3 0 on Tuesday night. Third in the table. The fairy tale goes on for Folkestone, doesn't it? Uh, unbelievable, really. Um, just... Really, Neil Cody's done a fantastic job again. Looking good for them for the playoffs. Of course, if they'd beaten um, Harlow straight at the bottom of the table they, uh, on Saturday, they would have been top of the t- division. And that's probably the highest level that um, Margate uh, folks have ever been in. So, but you know, 80 goals in 36 games. So, entertaining side. Neil Cudley has got a good chance of putting them into that uh, into the playoffs, I would have thought. Uh, again, I don't think the league's probably out of their, out of their reach, but no reason why they can't be in the playoffs and there's some good, some good players down at Folkestone as well. Indeed. Well, Billericay lost again on Tuesday night at home to Dulwich. I wonder what Glenn Tamplin, the chairman, is currently thinking of Glenn Tamplin, the manager. Um, but we've got to talk about Dulwich. I, I know, obviously, they're not in our area, but there's been a row with the owners of their stadium for quite a while now. But this week, it's been ramped up several notches. The huge backdated rent bill being told they're not allowed to play at Champion Hill and most petty of all, the club's name and nickname being registered as trademarks by the clear baddies in this story. It's pretty sickening to hear this coming out of Dulwich Hamlet because they're a great club, aren't they, Matt? Oh, a very, very good club. I know we have Ferdinand was wanted to buy their ground because it's always about development of housing, I think, while reading into it. Um, I know there's been, I remember years ago, there was something that I think Posh Spice wanted to uh, the the Posh as a, as a sort of, I'm trying to think of it. She's registered that as her and she said the football club couldn't use it. And I'm sure... Yeah, great legal minds can stop somebody else registering the name Dulwich Hamlet um, from that point of view. I, I really hope it can do that. They get some good gates. They're sort of a, 
um, a community club who do give a lot of things back as well. Good gates from there. Good result yesterday. I don't know whether they're going to play their remaining games for the season, which is always a bit of a concern for them as well. So, yeah, it really is a thing and worrying for them. And, and it's a bit sour for football. And I'm, I can't believe anybody involved in football or likes football has got any compassion or any reason why the company's trying to shut them down because they give something back to the community as well. Yeah, I mean, I've been to Champion Hill a couple of times. Once to watch uh, Fisher, actually, when they were playing there. The other time to watch uh, Dulwich and they beat Margate. It was, the, it was the season when Margate ultimately got promoted. Um, and that was they were 100% when they went to Dulwich and they lost in the last minute. Um, the noise those supporters make, you know, it's, this isn't a, a, a small club. This is a big, popular club. I mean, the location where they're in, you can see why someone may think it's right for development. But it's not, it's not about that. It's a football club. It's the heart of that football club. It's the heart of Dulwich Hamlet, a team who get gates far bigger than the level that they're at. Vocal supporters, they're a fantastic club and they really don't deserve this. I don't think any club deserves that from there. They haven't been, I think they've been running the right way. It's just, uh, see, Rio Ferdinand, you know, he offered to buy the ground and do that with his company he's involved in. So I think he was brought up in that region. He's very friendly with Gavin Rose, the manager. So he clearly shows what it must mean from there. Uh, this is a story that will run and run. I know it's been in the sort of um, a non-league eye for a, uh, a number of months from this, but I think now that the, the the larger media may get involved in it, and it'll be interesting where it goes from there. So, particularly as they're going to be kicked out of their own grounds, and I think they've got talks with three clubs. I think is today to find out where they're going to be playing. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I'm sure there'll be um, many clubs willing to willing to let them play there because you know the support they get uh, they, they, and what they bring to the to the to the club is, is really important. Indeed, this weekend, Folkestone travel to face Harrow Borough, Margate travel to fifth place Hendon, and Tunbridge Angels host Worthing. Angels then host Billericay on Tuesday night, and on oh. when- Wednesday night, Folkestone host Charlton in the other Kent Senior Cup semi-final. Oh. Well, Kent Senior, well, great season for Folkestone. Somebody else in the first, Maystone, isn't it, aren't they? Maystone yes. against... Uh, Maystone are already through, so it's Maystone yeah. against the winners of Folkestone against Charlton. Well, so great season for folks, and if they can get to the uh, Kent Senior Cup and maybe get in the playoffs, fixture congestion, Richard. You don't mind fixture congestion in, in May from that. And Tunbridge against Billericay. Tunbridge good at home. Billericay rocking in the seams. I'm sure the uh, the fans at Longmead will be really relishing that one. That should be a cracking atmosphere there. I'm sure. Uh, Certain people at Billericay are going to get some stick there if they turn up. <laughs> well, indeed. Um, the Southern Counties East League was wiped out over the weekend, but on Tuesday night, Beckenham missed a chance to go top of the table as they lost 2-1 at Corinthian, um, while Crober moved up to third with a 2-0 win at Sheppey United. It's still ridiculously tight at the top, though, as we record this on Wednesday lunchtime. Um, Seven Oaks have got 54 points from 24 games, Beckenham 53 from 28, Crowborough 50 from 25 and Whitstable 49 from 24. Just 14 games left for two of those teams. There's still a lot of football to be played. Um, seven Oaks used to play Lordswood on Wednesday night. Before on Saturday, big old game this one. Mickey Collins takes his Seven Oaks side to face Beckenham. Uh, full programme this weekend. All the other, uh, some decent looking games on there. Always, as always, you can find them online. But Beckenham against Seven Oaks, that's a big one, isn't it? Oh, that is a big game. Um... If Beckenham can do that, we, well, we, we, I think we've given the trophy to Seven Oaks about four times this season. If they can beat Beckenham on Saturday, well, maybe we give it to them again. But if they lose that, maybe it really brings other plays into play. I still fancy Tumpers to come through as well. They've got, you know, they're only five points behind the same amount of games. So, yeah, we may know this when we record this time next week, John. Uh, who's going to be uh, up and around? Who's going to win it this time? You know, 
we've, we've mentioned every team who's got a chance to win it. I know I have, maybe you have. Yeah, a cracking competition that'll be if it really reaches its climax. Yeah, it really will be. Um, nothing much to talk about at the very top of National League South, but Welling were beaten 1-0 at Wheelstone on Monday night, but they still remain just two points outside the playoff spots. Uh, they travel to East Thurrock on Saturday, while leaders Dartford host Paul Town. And that just, just leaves us with the National League. Only one game in the entire three National League divisions survived on Saturday, and that was down at Crabble, where the snow was cleared and it was worthwhile as that man Mitchell Pinnock scored again to down Leighton Orient. And the week got even better for the Whites as they moved up to sixth in the table with a two-nil win at Chester on Tuesday night. What a difference a week makes, Matt. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was one of these people when every other game had gone off in the in the league on Saturday. Do you think, oh, do we really want to play this one against Orient? Just have another break. We needed a break. We dogs filed and lost the previous week and looked a bit tired in that. So I thought maybe you know call it off. But fair play to David Chairman Jim Palmer. He wanted the game on. Orient fans were going to come down and they got the result. Aziz has come in. He seems to have made a difference up top. A bit of a more physical threat. I'm not into... I quite like Senefordia a bit more physical. Not maybe not um, elbows for razor blades with a striker like that, but he, he puts himself out. He's a bit more physical and he holds the ball up a little better. So I think the last couple of um, games, he's been a real threat. He, maybe he's not a goal scorer, but he can bring other players into play. And Kevin Locko, we know all about as well. He's um, scoring... For, He's come in, decent player at this level, decent from a set piece, and he got the opening goal. But back-to-back wins has pushed over in there now, and you know maybe probably last week before the, the late Norwich game, I was thinking doom and gloom, we're going to finish tenth. But now back-to-back wins on that, you think maybe we've got a chance. And with some big games coming up, it's in Dover's hands really. If they can get through March uh, in the position they are now, they've got a good chance. I think in April to secure a playoff place. So, in what two wins in two days does to that's to your team and also for my mood as well. Excellent. A, a good week for the Gerrards, apart from the mother-in-law, of course. Um, yeah, exactly. Of course, we haven't forgotten the second part of our interview with the Epstreet's Luke Coulson, who I spoke to last Tuesday. Um, really good this. He's going to talk about some, about confidence in football, playing in America, and his aims of a career in journalism when he's finished. I think the thing was, a few weeks ago, we were kind of looking at it and thinking there was a chance that the season might just tail off, but you seem to have sort of found a second wind almost. Yeah, I think after the the boring wood and the and the Tranmere defeat defeats three nil, you know, in both games we were definitely down in the dumps after that, and it was a it was a difficult patch. But we we you know we regrouped if you like, and I think the the signing of Corey Whiteley's been absolutely superb, great business by the gaffer, and I think the fact that he's kept the teams the same and there's that consistency of we know what we're doing and and what he wants and. Like you say, hopefully the, the second win will carry on. Generally speaking, how have you found it, Ebbsfleet, so far? I've absolutely loved it. I I wasn't in the greatest of places um, coming from Barnet, you know, and, and not playing. Uh, felt like the unwanted man, which obviously was the case. And to to come here and find my feet again, and and have a manager that that believes in me. Um, and in all honesty, the the everybody talks about the the unity and the togetherness of a team. Um, and Ebbsfleet is, a, is one of the teams that I've been at, which really shows. And uh, the lads have been absolutely excellent from from start to finish this season with me. And off the field, there's there's some big changes as well with the, with the stadium, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Again, I just think that speaks volumes about you know the ambition of the club and, and where it's heading. That was a big thing that was you know was spoken to me about before I signed on the dotted line about 
where the club was going and 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 the, and the future. Um, and everybody wants to be part of a of a club like that. I think it also kind of puts paints a picture when you've got teams like Hartlepool and Dagenham and Redbridge um, and Chester that you know that are struggling. And um, and you know I'm part of a part of a club that is is building on their financial status and always improving. Um, so it's a great place to be. You mentioned him earlier, but what's what's Darren McMahon like as a manager? Yeah, he's brilliant. I I honestly can't speak highly enough of him. He's been absolutely first class ever since I joined the club. He's, you know, the fact that he joins in training and he still shows up a few of the lads and and, it, and he knows what he's talking about. Um, he gives he definitely instills that confidence into me that that I was lacking over the last year, and I definitely feel I I've improved as a player and and hopefully I, I will continue to do so under his management. You talk about lacking confidence. How hard is it to come back from obviously having a setback like you did have at Barnet? It's massive, honestly. I um, obviously, for me, I do think I'm quite. I have a. I do have a positive mindset, and I'm quite strong mentally. Uh, with you know a good family and friends around me, and um, it is on. It is. It's. It gets depressing. It gets degrading, and I can easily see why some lads. Turn turn away turn away after a few bad experiences because it it does start to get you down and you know you're a footballer but you're not playing football you know what are you doing um, but like I said I've been very fortunate to to have found a club like Eversley after you know a period in my life like that I've, I've obviously looked up your career before before I spoke to you but you've had some interesting stuff haven't you? including a spell in America what was that like Yeah I, I went to America after Manchester City I got. Um, I wasn't awarded a, a few contracts at a few clubs and it was getting towards the end of the season and I was panicking a little bit um, about being a, a, a without a club and uh, Michigan University just basically sold me the dream of going to America and, uh, and being there and to be honest it was everything I thought it would be the you know the facilities and the way they treat you over there is is second to none and I couldn't have asked to, to have been with better people um, but for me playing in that team and I found my confidence again uh, you know I, I was playing in a team where I thought you know what I'm, I am still good enough to be playing in England and, and and luckily my agent was still working on my behalf back here and and uh, he told me of the interest of, of Cardiff City and and that was that really jumped on a plane back played in a trial game and signed for Cardiff and away from the pitch as well I understand you, you, you fancy yourself as a bit of a journalist I do try, I do try. I've um, done my sports writing journalism degree through the PFA uh, two years ago and I've been doing a lot of work with it since then just to keep the keep things ticking over and I have friends that I, my own brother um, had to retire early from injury so you never know when that, you're, you're going to need that full back or that next stage of, of your life so it was definitely a precautionary measure and, and one that I'm delighted that I did do and and hopefully I will go into into the future. I think Scott Minto did that course as well, or, or something similar. So you sort of see it can be done, and I guess that's where you see yourself being in the future. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, I, I love talking about football, and I love talking about sport, and I love talking in general, as most people might tell you. So I think it's something that um, it's a passion of mine, and I, if you can get a job that you're passionate about, everyone everyone says, you know, keep hold of it. So it's definitely something that I'll be interested to work work towards in the future. And obviously you're not a local lad. How are you finding it down in, in, the, in the south in Kent sort of way? Well, apart 
from the snow. It's, it's not too bad. Um, no, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've lived around and um, Kent, Kent's a really nice area, which obviously it does make it difficult uh, being away from the family, um, family and friends. I don't really have anyone local, so there is a lot of driving, you know, when you get a day off or when you get a free weekend. Uh, but it's, it's nothing that I'm not used to. And um, like I said, I think it, it's been made easier by how great the lads have been and off the field as, as well as on the field. What a, what a fine young man he is, Matt. Only 24, but he talks so well and, and he's really got his head screwed on. And also, lest we forget, he's a pretty decent footballer. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed that interview um, he said about that. Uh, yeah, I knew, I knew before he was, he'd was written a few articles for um, uh, publication, his journalism from that point. He's come down from Manchester. Clearly he's got his head screwed on because he went to America to see how it was. He's very easy to drift away from the game, but... Yeah, and the reports I've had before he went to Epsley, when he was particularly at Eastleigh, he was arguably the best player in the division. Uh, went to Barnet, didn't really work out for Barnet. Barnet do seem to buy a lot of them big players and never got an absolute target on that. With him and Corey Whiteley and the other players they've got, like Josh Payne, uh, Payne and the experience of Andy Jury, from an attacking midfield point of view, I think Epsley have got some really good players from that. Only work in their favour of Coulson. Uh, I think... Um, very screwed on player as well so he's not going to get too carried away with what's happening there but very screwed on and maybe we could have him as a guest presenter on the pod one time because he's very very eloquent well indeed I was chuckling because when I used to work at the Press Association which was the first job I had after I left uni um, we used to have people from uh, the course that Luke's done there at Staffordshire University used to come in on sort of work experience and I really remember um, a chap called Alan Smart I don't know if you remember him Matt played for Watford I think among others yeah um, he actually came in on work experience and we were like, oh, look, there's the bloke we were writing a story about, a match report about the other day, and he's here on work experience with us now. So um, that was always quite entertaining. But, you know, fair play to the PFA for sorting out that course for these people because, you know, there, there are opportunities for for former players in in the media, in journalism. You know, I mean, as much as I enjoy doing co-commentary with you at, at, Dover, or at Dover or wherever when, when you've given me the opportunity... I love doing it, but I'm never going to be doing that on Five Live, am I? Because they always will have an ex-pro. You know, Luke Coulson, if he continues like that, he has, he has every opportunity that he can push in. I mean, look at Scott Minto. People would never have thought he'd turn into the, the television professional that he has. So there are opportunities out there. Oh, the more the more media it is, the things like this, podcasts and uh, YouTube channels as well, you can easily get spotted. And if you've got your head screwed on and you know the fundamentals of the game, which... I do prefer that they do you know, I work with somebody they don't speak with people I work with you do get a different viewpoint when you speak to a, a, a player because they see things that you don't particularly do and of course and I, I'm sure I've seen that from there there's a lot of players in there I think Chris Ilumu he's done the degree and he got first class on it so football have got this reputation of being not the most cleverest people on the planet but there is some some out there and I'm sure Luke Coulson after his football I think he's probably he can play at a higher level than he is now he's got a career to go back to uh, when it when finishes as well. So, yeah, good luck to him and uh, a cracking little player as well. I think you've done us a bit of a disservice there, Matt. I'm not having that. I, yeah, I think... yeah, that was... And there's a lot of people I know I, I do work with on a Saturday from there. So, but I always find it's... Yeah, you, you present company accepted. I do find sometimes it's, it's better if you get an ex-wizened old pro because they can see things that not necessarily that us watchers who've got experience of football, maybe not on the field, uh, can't see. What I, what I do think from that point of view is, you know, I've obviously been a journalist for quite some time and I used, you know, there were times when I would go and, you know, certainly when I was covering Margate and Ramsgate, I would see them every other week. So I knew their strengths, I knew their players and 
you almost could, you know, I, I, I'm not saying for a second I know more than anyone else, but because I'd see so many games, I'd always be there and I'd always be able to chat with the managers. I think I built up a bit of a bit of a rapport. And I think almost sometimes, you know, and I, I do this now, actually, if I... I've seen teams play and I, and I speak to a manager who's about to play them, I'll say, well, you know, I saw them the other week. They do this, this yeah. and this and this. You know, I'm not saying for a second that I've got more knowledge than anyone who's played the game. But I think there is something to be said for people, you know, who watch a lot of football. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got to have played the game to be able to talk about it. And if people have got all the way through this week's podcast, I hope they appreciate that. No, 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 exactly. What you do find is at higher levels you go, you'll probably have Mourinho's in one of his tantrums. He will say, or certain managers will say, well, you never played the game so you don't understand how it goes. But, we, you know, we're old enough to have seen a lot of games from a football point of view and we have got that knowledge to do it. I think, you know, coming like Coulson, he's got the background of work in the dressing room and how things work off the field as well, how the players approach a game and what they were doing in certain situations. So, I think... Um, it's definitely a chance for players who've got this degree to go on to a high level and explain things out. You look at the Nevilles, Gary Neville, etc., like that, or how good a presenter is. That little bit of background knowledge does really help. But again, nobody not got knowledge like us about non-league football. That's why we're presenting this programme and not Gary Neville. Well, indeed. Um, on Saturday, Fleet are at Leighton Orient. Dover travel down to Eastleigh. Maidstone host Torquay, a team they've already beaten twice this season. And Bromley are at home to Geisley. Are you making your trip down to Eastleigh, Matt? I am going to Eastleigh. I've never been to Eastleigh before, so um, I'm going down there. So, uh, yes, see what it's like. Um, David Reckon has played there three seasons in a row. We won every single game. Like the record down there is pretty good. So, fingers crossed as I touch the, the wood on my desk here that um, we can get a result there. Because, you know, two two wins on the spin, I'm sort of uh, walking with a uh, step, st- you know, skipping my step or stepping my skip, whatever you pronounce it. But, but um, a three on the spin, I'll be... Uh, Walking on, walking on heaven, as the uh, famous song went. Is there a song called Walking on Heaven? Walking on Sunshine! Walking on Heaven. More excellent. I'm in there. You want, to, you want to edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> More excellent knowledge there from Matt Gerrard. Um, if I have edited the bits out, that trust me, that was pretty ropey. Um, <laughs> Anyway, that turned out to be a, an absolutely jam-packed show, Matt. Given the weather, I wasn't expecting it to be quite so good, but I hope people have enjoyed that one. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's, it's always good, but... I, no more problem is than maybe the lack of football reds to my waffling and talking rubbish, but I hope people like that sort of thing. Well, indeed. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, thanks to the people who have been interviewed on the show. I mean, obviously, three of them were done up at Sitting One against Ramsgate last night, but I did have a really good time. And thanks to the people at Sitting One for the hospitality and the people at Ramsgate for keeping me entertained during the game. As always, you can get in touch with us on uh, social media, on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook at... Um, Kent non-league and do you know what why not follow us on Twitter as well because we do post the odd interesting nugget um, I'm at John Phipps 81 and Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard um, that is all for this week and we will look forward to speaking to you all next week when who knows what will happen maybe Bromley may even have played Spennymore but anyway thanks for listening we'll speak to you next week it was Katrina in the waves wasn't it <laughs>